Well, good morning, everyone. This is the first time that Rosemary and I have traveled to um, Enniskillen to lead the service or to speak at the service in 2021. So may I wish you all a very blessed new year. Um, it's getting a bit late in the year maybe for doing that, but it's our first opportunity. If you have your Bibles with you and you'd like to turn to John chapter 13, I'm going to read some words from there. Although I'm going to be referring to John chapters 13 and 14, it's just a passage from 13 that I want us to read together. So I'm starting to read at the first verse. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it round his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. And that was why he said, not all of you uh, are clean. Ending our reading at verse 11. <clears throat> this morning I want to begin a new series of sermons um, over the next few weeks. Uh, a series of sermons that I've entitled, Countdown to the Cross. Um, at the beginning of John chapter 13, we have the passion narrative of John's gospel uh, beginning. And it's quite clear that uh, the events that begin in chapter 13 lead on until eventually we have Jesus' death upon the cross, his resurrection, and then his resurrection appearances. <clears throat> Luke would go one step further and, of course, include the ascension in that. But uh, here in John's gospel, we begin our countdown to the cross. It's interesting that the songs that have been selected today, several of them have referred to the love of God. Because that's the theme of these chapters in uh, thir 13 and 14 as the first stepping stone for God's uh, countdown to the cross or for John's countdown to the cross. And so I want to speak today about the love of God. And I want to highlight just some of the things that we can learn from the text about that love for each of us. But first of all, let me just emphasize that this is a countdown. This is the first of a series of steps which John sets out in order to bring us to the climax of Jesus' ministry, his death upon the cross and his resurrection, and so on. Jesus knows that his time is running out. 
In verse 1, we read that Jesus knew that his hour had come. In verse 3, we read that Jesus knew that he was going back to the Father. And in verse 33, he says, we didn't have time to read that. He says in verse 33, my little children, yet a little while I am with you. Jesus knew his time was coming to an end. It's interesting, I think sometimes people do get a, I'm not sure if premonition is the correct word, but they get an instinct of when things are coming to an end. Certainly the Apostle Paul had that. In his very last epistle, which was to Timothy, in chapter 4, Paul was able to write to Timothy and says, the time of my departure is at hand. Paul knew when his time was running out. If you'll forgive a personal illustration, when my brother Arthur passed away, he also knew that the time of his departure was coming. In the last 24 hours of his life, he thanked all the nurses that had been taking care of him. And the very last words that he had for Rose and I as we went in together, the last conversation that I had with him, they were very clearly words that were his last words to us. And so I think sometimes people can be prepared for those last moments. Jesus is so concerned about his disciples that he wants them to be prepared for the last moments of his life. And that's why he's constantly rewarning, uh, re, uh, reminding them, constantly warning them, the time of my departure is close. And so he wants to instill within them some hope, some strength, something that will help them to be able to manage the troubled waters of his passion and of his death upon the cross. Jesus knew the ugliness that lay ahead of him. Jesus knew the distress and the, the way that his disciples would be so bitterly upset, devastated by the events that were to unfold. And that's why Jesus is trying to instill within them some, some strength, some warning that is preparing them for what lies ahead. And what is it he tries to communicate to them? His love. His love. And... Um, John 13, 1, we, we read, Having loved his own, he loved them to the end. And that's the theme of what I want to say this morning. From these verses, or from these chapters, we can learn a lot about the love of God. Let me just highlight one or two things uh, to emphasize for you. First of all, love is to be received. Love is to be received. God, if you'll, I hope this doesn't sound too blunt, but God, love, God can love all he likes. But unless we receive it, it does us no good. God's love is to be received. Now, John's gospel is filled with references to God's love. Back in chapter 3, verse 16, we learn that God loved the world. And when we read about God loving the world, there is an inclusiveness with that. It's an inclusiveness that works on different levels. God's love includes everybody that was in the past, everybody that lives now, and everybody that will live in the future. God's love's inclusive in that way. God's love's inclusive in terms of nationality. He loves every person, every nation, whatever your creed, whatever your nationality, whatever your culture, His love is inclusive. But we also know that God not just loves the world, God loves individuals. Jesus loved individuals. 
And when we read, in, a few weeks ago, when we read in chapter 11, we read of how, the, how Mary and Martha wrote to Jesus in a little note and said, the one whom you love is ill. And it t- tells us in, in John chapter 11 how much Jesus loved Mary and Martha. Jesus loves individuals. And of course, I'm leading this to, to simply bring home the point that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And so when we talk about love having to be received, or love is to be received, we have to realize that that's for us. So let's backtrack for just a moment. When Jesus was preparing his disciples for the worst experience of their lives, he wanted them to know that he loved them implying, inferring that the knowledge that God loves us helps us through difficult days. Do you see what he's doing with the disciples? When we have got difficult days to face, when there are challenges ahead, when there are, we might even say, nightmares that lie ahead of us in the darkness, it is reassuring, it is strengthening to know Jesus loves me. Jesus' love is to be received. You see, there's a danger that we become so familiar with that phrase, so familiar with that idea that we have an attitude in our minds that says, yeah, 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 I know all that. Yeah, yeah, I get that. It's interesting to note that the person, the people who appreciate the love of God the most are those who feel they deserve it least. That the people who love God the most are those who feel they deserve it least. Jesus told a parable of a Pharisee who came to the temple in in the morning to pray and he was full of his own importance. Thank you, Lord, that I am not like other men. Full of his own importance. But there was a guy at the back, a sinner, who stood at the back. He was so humbled, so full of guilt and shame, he couldn't even approach the throne. And he stood at the back and he bowed his head and he simply said the prayer, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus made the point as he told the parable. He asked the question, which of these two guys went away righteous? Of course, it was the guy who felt it the most. There may be someone listening to me this morning and you are racked with guilt. You are racked with that unhappiness, that burden that that you have in your heart. And it's to you, to the one that's burdened, to the one that's feeling guilty, to the one that's feeling least worthy of it. It's to you that God whispers, I love you. But God's love is not just to be received. The second thing that we learn from this passage is that God's love is to be shown. God's love is to be shown. And we get that from the story that we read at the beginning of John 13. In this story, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. This was an example that Jesus said. It was, an, it was a demonstration of how much he cared for the disciples. You know the story, I'm sure, as well as I do. The disciples had traveled to the home where they were having this uh, supper. We know that it wasn't the the, the final supper, it wasn't the last supper, because uh, it tells us that in verse 1, before the feast of the Passover. Um, So this was another occasion. And uh, they hadn't had the opportunity to have their feet washed, which was their custom. 
Jesus would have been within his rights to order someone to um, arrange for people's feet to be washed. But he didn't. He did it himself. It was a demonstration of the care that he had for his disciples. In fact, he says in John 13, verses 14 and 15, I have given you an example to follow. I am setting an example for you. And later on in John 13, verse 34, he says, A new commandment I give unto you. Love one another as I have loved you. You see, love has to be shown. It has to be received, but it has to also be shown. You see, if, if love is received through prayer then showing God's love is, is demonstrated through our attitude towards others. really want to challenge you today. At the beginning of a new year-ish, what are your attitudes like towards others? How are you getting on with others? What's your social environment like? I want to tell you this, that there's a very clear link between how well you get on with God and how well you get on with other people. Those two things are clearly linked. They're linked in Scripture. Jesus spent the whole, was it Matthew chapter 24 or 25? Jesus spent a whole chapter teaching, as you did it unto the one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. And in that chapter, he's scathing. And he's not scathing about what people believed about the cross. He's not scathing about what they believed in terms of doctrine. He's scathing in regard to how they treated other people. He's scathing in regard to their attitude to others. It is no mistake that Jesus said that the law can be summarized in two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. God's love must be shown. I really feel strongly in my spirit today that is a message to Fermanagh Christian Fellowship, yes, but to a wider audience. God is calling us to examine our attitudes towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. He's calling us to stop and reflect, do a spiritual stock take of where we stand before others. It's a healthy, spiritual discipline to do. To go through those folks that you meet at church and to begin to pray, Lord, is everything okay between us? Have I offended people? Have I upset people? Have I harbored a toxic attitude towards other people, towards the leadership within the church or those that are supposed to be doing or whatever? Listen to me, brothers and sisters, for your well-being, for your ability to cope with what lies ahead in 2021, whatever that might be, be it good, bad, or indifferent, for your ability to be able to cope with, it, cope with that, it is absolutely imperative that you have a right attitude towards other people. John in his epistles, 1, 2, and 3 John, later in the New Testament said, you cannot love, you cannot say that you love God if you hate your neighbor. John says it quite directly, very abruptly and strongly. It just isn't possible for someone to be in love with God and to be out of sorts with other people. Brothers and sisters, listen. This is what God says to us today. Put it right. Get it sorted. Because if love is to be received, love is also to be shown. 
And we show it best when we demonstrate our attitude towards other people. That's what Jesus is doing in this first stepping stone in his countdown to the cross. He's helping his disciples prepare themselves by tying them together, by uniting them together in a love for one another, where they care and pray for one another, where they work for one another and are united together under his banner of love. Love is to be received. Love is to be shown. There's a third lesson that we can learn from these verses. And that is that love is to be nurtured. Love is to be nurtured. Um, uh, Love is... uh, 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 In these verses, Jesus makes it absolutely clear that being in love with God and having a right relationship with your neighbor is not just an oozy feeling. It's not a gooey feeling. Jesus makes it absolutely clear that uh, being in love with God or demonstrating your love with God is practical. And if we look in, if we were to turn to chapter 14 in John's gospel and look at verse 21, we would read these words. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Do you see we demonstrate our love for him? We are able to nurture our love for him by obeying him, by keeping his commandments. He reiterates it again just a few verses later in chapter 14, verse 23, where we read these words. Jesus answered them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Keeping his commandments and keeping his word. You see, love is nurtured by obedience. Love is nurtured by obedience. By doing what God has told you to do. You see, there's dangers in the Christian life. Let me highlight three of the most common dangers that there are for people who are endeavoring to walk with God. Here's the first danger. There's the danger of ignoring Him. Here's the second danger. There's the danger of drifting from Him. And here's the third danger. There's the danger of neglecting Him. Hebrews teaches that. In fact, I almost preached in this sermon. I'm not going to preach it as a second sermon, but just to highlight it for you today. These are the ways in which people demonstrate that their love for God is growing cold. That they begin to ignore God in the circumstances that that they have, uh, that they're facing. That they begin to drift from God and that they begin to neglect Him and His Word. Neglect the meeting together, as Hebrews tells us. Neglecting the meeting together. May I say this? Your brother or sister, whoever you are, an FCF or in a wider circle, is, are these things true for you? Have you, over the years, begun to drift from God? Have you, over the years, begun to ignore what God has to say? As a young believer, as a young Christian, you may have had a very clear line in the sand and you would thought to yourself, do you know what? I will never step over that line. These are things that are non-negotiable. And yet, and yet, and yet, over the years, the line has become blurred. And if we were to stand back and think to ourselves, do you know what? Actually, Now I do things that years ago I would never have dreamt of. Now I entertain things that years ago I would never have entertained. You see, these are signs. These are signs that your love for God is not as strong as God would want it to be. Because God's love needs to be nurtured. 
And we nurture God's love by being obedient to him. Well, there's one final thing that I want to say about the love of God. The love of God is to be empowered. Love is empowered. I want you to notice the words of chapter 14 and verse 15, where we read this. If you love me, notice these words. If you love me, Jesus said, you will keep my commandments. That's just what we've been saying. But then it goes on in verse 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. What's Jesus talking about? Rather, I should change that to say, whom is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about another helper, another advocate, another counselor. In his absence, Jesus says, teaches us, we'll be looking at it in some weeks ahead. Jesus says, if I go back to the Father, I will send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And he will not just be with you, as I have been with you, but he will be within you. And here, what Jesus does is, he links love with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Do you see? He puts the two together. Verses 15 and then verse 16. You see, love is to be empowered. And he's trying to prepare his disciples for the dreadful experiences that are going to unfold in, the, in this passion narrative. And as he prepares them for it, he says to them, look, I love you, but listen, your love needs to be shared. And your love needs to be nurtured. And your love needs to be empowered by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. You see, to be empowered with the Holy Spirit is to be infilled with the Holy Spirit. That's what will give his disciples strength. That's what will anchor them in the storms that lie ahead. That's what will be a comfort to them. It is the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within, sharing that love, having that love, developing that love in order that they will feel secure within themselves, able to handle whatever life may throw at them and whatever difficulties they may have to share in. Love is to be received. Love is to be shared. Love is to be nurtured, and love is to be empowered. I want to say this. Uh, many years ago, as a young Christian, I was maybe about 18 years of age, and I remember attending the Port Stewart Convention. And there was a preacher there called Dr. Stephen Alford, and he was preaching. It was a blessing to listen to him. There's one phrase that he preached. I'll never forget it. And the phrase that he used sometimes when he was preaching in the Port Stewart, he would repeat things three times. And this was one of those phrases that he repeated three times. And this is what he said. There is no power without purity. There is no power without purity. Christian, do you want power in your life? Christian, do you want to know the power of the love of God filling your hearts? As the old-fashioned way of putting it was to have the love of God shed abroad in your heart. Do you want to know that power? Do you want to know power over temptation? Do you want to know power in the face of difficulties? Do you want to know power in the face of what life throws at you, both inner temptations and outer challenges? Do you want to know that power? Here's the secret. The secret is not an idea, it's not a thought, and it's not a philosophy. The secret is the Spirit of Jesus Christ reigning in your heart. 
But you see, we can't just be filled with the Spirit of God ad hoc, willy-nilly. Our hearts need to be cleansed. Our hearts need to be washed. Our hearts need to be prepared because He is the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. And the only entrance that we have into experiencing His forgiveness is the entrance through the door called love. Through the door marked love. Have you received God's love? Are you sharing God's love? What's your attitude like with other people? It has to be pure. May I be blunt with you, brother or sister, whoever you are, sort it. Get it sorted. Make a phone call. Send a text. Do something in order to make sure that your heart is clean with regard to your relationships with other people. It also needs to be nurtured. Do what is right. Don't neglect the Lord. Don't drift from Him. Don't wander away. But work at being close to Him. You can't be saved by your works. We know that. But James teaches us that if you, you can't just... Uh, there's things that you can do that nurtures your walk with Him, that enhances it, that puts, it, puts you in a better place where you're likely more to, to receive His love. And above all else, be under no illusion. That it is the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within that makes it all possible. As I invite the band to come and take their place again, thank you to um, Harry and to um, Katie and to um, uh, James uh, for their way of their, their leading us today. This is the question I want to finish with today. What have you brought to church today in your heart? What's in your heart today? Have you brought a spirit of joy a spirit of praising, a spirit of victory in the midst of COVID, in this, uh, something that's really a blessing to God. Well, that's just fantastic. And you should raise your voices and lift your hands and dance in your kitchen, do whatever you like to praise the Lord today. And um, you might have a question mark if you do that when you come to church, but you can do it in your own kitchen. There's nothing to tell you, you can't do that. So you enjoy yourself in the presence of God today, but maybe, maybe you've brought a burdened heart this morning. Your heart is heavy. There's a burden of concern, a burden maybe of personal guilt, a burden of being a backslider, a burden of, of, of how things have drifted, a burden maybe just that things are getting on top of you, a burden that maybe relationships have not worked out the way that you'd hoped or whatever. Whatever's in your heart, and as you've come to church today, as this is what you've brought to him, come to him. Do you know why? Do you know how you can do that? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Whatever your circumstances, whatever difficulties you're facing, this is why we can come to him. I'm going to say a prayer, Harry, before I hand over to you to sing the next song. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you, Lord, figuratively speaking, that you can wash our feet. We are filthy. We have picked up filth as we've gone through this week. We've picked up difficulties and we're at odds with other friends and brothers and sisters, or we may be at odds with our friends and brothers and sisters in the Lord. Lord, we bring you all of this as the burden of our heart before your throne this morning. 
Thanking you, Lord, above all else that you love us, that you care for us, and longing to be cleansed. Longing to be cleansed. To be washed in the blood of Christ. To be washed on the inside that we may receive your love. That we may be able to nurture that love through being obedient to you. That we may be able to share that love with others. And that we may be empowered by the Holy Spirit to infill our lives from this day forward. Lord, grant our prayer, we pray. Let them not just be in words, but let the power of God communicate this truth to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.